Welcome back to the Euctropolis Podcast. I'm your host, James Hill. In this episode, we're going to explore the concept of musical gesture, how you can take a basic shape or a direction and turn it into sound. These are exercises and explorations that you can use to warm up your students, warm down your students, or to bring a little bit of free-flowing creativity into your lessons and into your personal practice. Stick around. So typically in this podcast, I'll take a student question from euctropolis.com and expand on it. And uh, I'm not going to do that this week. Although there were a lot of interesting questions and comments and discussions in all the various courses at Euctropolis, whether that's you know raw beginners starting with uh, Booster Uke, or whether that's advanced players in their ukulele jazz course, or anything in between, there's always a lot of great conversation. But this week, I wanted to highlight something that really caught my attention in particular over the past week, and has really been floating around in my head for the past few weeks since the Tunes and the Dunes Rendezvous concert, which happened a couple of weeks ago online. And uh, if you're not familiar with Tunes and the Dunes, it's a it's a wonderful festival put on by Melanie and Duncan Berry, and they're out in um, Oregon, and they put on this this incredible ukulele love fest and uh, they typically do this in person but of course these days everything is online and uh, so we did this concert um hopefully some of you who are listening were there you enjoyed the concert and then after the concert there was kind of this after party where um attendees could uh hang out with the performers in sort of these jam rooms and when melanie asked me what kind of a jam room i wanted to um you know, run, I sort of looked at what everybody else had chosen already, and they'd already chosen all the stuff that I was going to do. So I said, well, what the heck, I'll do free jazz. Free jazz, yeah, that's what I'll do. And I thought, well, let's see who shows up. At least it's the kind of music that you can make on Zoom without having to feel like Everybody has to be rhythmically aligned, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm not joking. I mean, everybody can be unmuted, and it still sounds as cacophonous as it always does, and and that's great, you know. The more cacophonous, the better. Sometimes, and so I was thinking, you know, how am I going to teach free jazz improvisation to a group of people who have never met in the span of about half an hour and have any kind of you know, meaningful musical experience. And so I just came up with the very simple idea to explore gesture. Gesture. What does that mean? Well, it means the absolute most essential vectors of music, meaning ups, downs, and steadies. (laughs) Basically, music at its absolute most essential, is just one of those three directions. You're either going up, 
Or you're going down. Or you're just staying put. That's really it. Those are the three directions of music. And in some forms of free jazz and free improvisation, gesture is the driving force. And so if we were going upward, for example, it doesn't have to be a strict melody. It could just be a, a slide or a, or a little move between two frets. Those could be upward gestures, you know? And, and this is kind of weird and also kind of liberating. Like if you've always felt tied down by the scale or the harmony or the key signature, this is an opportunity to do away with all of that. I think some students get into the mindset that a melody is like running hurdles, you know, like every note that happens is an opportunity to trip. And that creates a mindset of, well, basically fear. And so when we do away with all of that, we get back to the gestural aspect of music. Is it going up? Is it coming down? Or is it doing neither? Is it just steady? And this session went on for about half an hour. And uh, it's funny, when, when you get a few people doing this together, following directions up and down, either from a written score or from just a person on screen or in front of them, showing them directions, sort of conducting the improvisation, you get some really interesting, unexpected results that can be sometimes very jarring and other times surprisingly beautiful. So I left that session really heartened by how well this this idea of gesture could be communicated to uh, a group of folks who had never met before and who had never even tried to play in this style. And just this week, I gave a lesson where I brought these ideas uh, to my students, and it went so well that I wanted to spend this podcast sharing with you um, my experience in the hope that you might try some of this with your students as well. So, here we go. Gesture. You know I'm all for structure. I'm all for having a plan. I'm all for taking students on a step-by-step logical progression through music as they develop their musicianship. You know, I've written many books that help teachers do just that very thing. The Jehui Teacher Certification Program is another way for teachers and interested you know, individuals to lock into a well-thought-out, well-organized, powerful, proven pedagogy. I'm all for that. But... Sometimes, that's just not the order of the day. Sometimes, you need to rock the boat. 
Sometimes you need to shake things up. Sometimes you need to get back to the most essential fundamentals of what music is. Even before music becomes music, music is sound. Even before we learn what a chord is or what a scale is, we learn what sound is. We can strip all the baggage away. We can take away all the music theory, the circle of fifths, intervals, cadences, rhythm. We can take it all away. And what we're left with is gesture. And sometimes, especially when you have a class of students who are at multiple levels of skill, ability, and interest, something like this could be the thing that levels the playing field, that allows students to access sound making as a way into a musical experience. So let me give you an example. In this lesson I did uh, earlier this week, I just walked in and on the blackboard, I drew an arrow, a diagonal arrow from bottom left to top right, pointing in that top right direction. And I said, what does this sound like? And I got lots of answers, right? Some students interpreted that as being... I said, great. Other interpretations? Another student interpreted it as this or this. I said, great. Any others? Another student interpreted it as this. I said, great. That's beautiful. Then I drew repeat signs around the arrow and I said, now let's play it all together. And this is what it sounded like. So I had some students playing the scale because that's where they were at. I had other students just sliding between notes. I had other students climbing up the fretboard with a very simple bar chord. Everybody was able to not only interpret that gesture in their own way, but sort of choose a level of technique that they were comfortable with and that made sense to them, all in a very intuitive way. And then we just played together. And it was beautiful. Then we just turned things around. I said, okay, erased that from the board and drew another arrow, this time in a downward direction from the top left to the bottom right. And I said, let's play this arrow. And of course, I got various answers ranging from... From the more advanced students, I got... Uh, answers like this from students who were more interested in just sliding around on the frets and not worrying about what notes they were playing. And then, of course, uh, some students tried to play chords. And that's all good. And when we put them all together at the same time, and we all threw our interpretations into the big melting pot together, 
it sounded like this. At this point, I was really getting into it, and, and so were the students. And I felt that there was something of a loophole that we'd discovered, that we could make all this music together, and that we could interpret such a simple directive in our own way, and yet play together. As long as we opened our ears to the idea that we were making sound sculpture, not so much music the way you'd hear it on the radio, but more of a sound collage based on all of our interpretations of this very simple gesture. It was so cool. And, you know, if I if I had walked in there and said, okay, everybody, we're just going to improvise, you know it would have sounded really different, much more tentative. I would have got a lot more pushback from students who who said, oh, you know, I don't know how to improvise. I don't know how to do that. All they need is the permission to interpret one very simple thing. And they're off. They're off to the races. Finally, I drew on the board a flat line with an arrowhead pointing to the right. This was our final gesture. And I said, let's interpret this together. I got various answers like... said, yes, yes. Anybody else? Some uh, students said, well, that one looks like this. And others said, it looks uh, like it sounds like this. You know, just a steady thing that doesn't change. And I said, yes, all of those interpretations are valid. There is no wrong interpretation of a gesture. You don't have to explain why that thing sounds a certain way to you. You just do it. And when we played those interpretations of that steadiness together, we got something like this. So at this point, we are set. We have an up, a down, and a steady. Up, down, steady. That's it. That's all we needed to start composing. Yeah, we started to compose, and I had the students, one by one, come up to the board and draw us a composition. Between the two repeat signs, which I kept on the board, One by one, they drew us compositions using combinations of up arrows, down arrows, and steady arrows. Some inserted spaces, gaps uh, for um, rests, and others filled the board from left to right. Now, what's cool about this is that students are 
free to parse the written score, which is this visual score that we've just created. Um, they're, they're free to parse this from left to right at their own speed. So let's just say that a student comes up and makes a composition and it goes up, down, steady. That's it. That's all it does. Up, down, steady. Well, every student is free to interpret that at their own pace and in their own way. Somebody might go up, down, steady. Up, down, steady. Another student might do it with chords. Up, down, steady. Now that one sounded quite different, and it took a lot longer. But that's fine. What ends up happening when they all play together is this kind of serendipitous counterpoint, where these parts are just mingling with each other in ways that we could never predict and probably never replicate. So it's very much music of the moment. It's sound for a moment. It's sound of a moment. And I found it to be liberating, exciting. I also found it to be a bonding experience with the students and the students with one another. Because there's a kind of vulnerability when you improvise, but when you have a gesture to follow, it's not as scary because there's a plan. There's just enough structure that you can follow along and not feel responsible for every little nut and bolt that go into the construction of this musical sculpture. So, when we all played together, up, down, steady, it sounded a bit like this. If you're still with me, <laughs> it means that there's something about this that you find intriguing, or maybe you just forgot to turn off this podcast. Whatever the case may be, thanks for going on this tangent with me. I'm personally really fascinated by this way of teaching, by this way of bringing students into music via sound and gesture. This engages a whole different part of their brain and their 
musical identity. This brings in students who may not otherwise be brought in by rigorous、uh, sequential exercises and repertoire. This opens the door to music in a different way, or maybe it's a, just a different door completely. I can imagine doing this every week to begin the class, even if it's just for two minutes, or maybe to finish the class, and maybe that's just two minutes. Or maybe I use this in the middle of the class when I feel like I'm losing students and, and, and I need a, a break or a shift, when I need to change the frequency, when I need to change the channel. Something like this might be just the ticket. And I want to offer that to you as a way of just giving you one more thing in your toolkit as a teacher. And if this means that just one more student is able to find their foothold into music, then it's worth it. So try it out, experiment, keep an open mind, and have fun. Thanks for tuning in to the Euktropolis podcast. My name is James Hill. I'll be back again next week with、uh, probably a more conventional episode of the show where I answer a student question from euktropolis.com. In the meantime, you can find me at euktropolis.com, teaching a whole range of unique online ukulele courses for all levels of players and teachers. So I hope you'll stop by. And check it out. Until next week, keep on strumming.